Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Wednesday night Bible study. I hope you've had a, a good day today. Uh, I want you to do me a favor before we start. If you don't mind, if you'll, you'll just post right in there in that comment section, if you're watching by way of uh, social media, Facebook, uh, if you'll just type who you are and uh, where you are watching from, that'll encourage me. Uh, I'm in this building uh, 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 all alone except for our media people, and that'll just let me know you guys are out there and tuning in and, and uh, being a part of the service tonight. So if you don't care, post who you are and where you're watching from, and if you really don't care, please hit that share button. Please hit that share button. Uh, there is enough chaos going on right now, enough bad news, enough uh, negativity on the airwaves. Let's, let's, try to, let's try to spread some good news on the uh, social media uh, tonight, all right? So if you don't care, hit that share button also, and we'll get the word out to everybody we can. Uh, we're going to start a new book of the Bible tonight on the book of Colossians. The book of Colossians. This is another one of Paul's uh, prison letters, and uh, and we'll get to that in just a minute. We're going to try to cover mostly tonight just the intro uh, to the book, give a good understanding and overall uh, uh, big picture view of, of what's going on, and uh, and then we'll we'll start verse by verse through it next week. Okay, but before I do, before I do, I, I can't I can't not say something. Uh, uh, about what's going on in our nation's capital, uh, what's going on in our country right now. A lot of things I wanted to say, I even uh, printed down two or three, four verses to, to let you know what's happening, why it's happening, and, and so forth and so on. But man, God kind of changed my mind on that. And, and, and this is what I want you to get in your head. And I mean, I want you to get what I'm fixing to tell you, because this is what the Holy Spirit told me to tell you. Isaiah chapter number 46, verse number nine. Now these guys don't have this. This, I just got this just a while ago. I was praying and, uh, God kind of laid this on my heart. So if you want to look it up in your Bible, it's Isaiah 46, nine and 10. And this is what it says. Remember the former things of old for I am God and there is none else. I am God and there is none like me. Now watch what he says, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, the things that are not yet done saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. In other words, he's saying, I am God. I am in charge. I am in control. I declare the end from the beginning and everything is going to happen just like I say it's going to happen, just how I want it to happen at just the right time that I want it to happen. God is in control. Now, listen, God is sovereign. God's got a plan. God is working everything out. He's never late. He's never early. He's always on time. So regardless of what you're seeing on social media, regardless of what you're seeing on the news, regardless of what chaos or, 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 or prophetic event is taking place, just know this, everything is right on time. God is still in control. God is still on the throne and he knows what he's doing. So let's, let's let that be in his hands. Let's rest and have faith in the fact that he is our father and he has got us on his mind and he will do what he wants to do when he wants to do it. 
And let's just get back to Bible study tonight, okay? Uh, Let's forget about all that stuff. Let's let God handle that. And now let's just study the word and spend some time in the word of God. And I promise you, just immerse yourself in God's word and he will help you and give you peace right now, okay? So we're going to jump in the book of Colossians tonight. We're going to look at the first, I say about first seven verses of chapter number one, and then we're going to do an intro to this book. All right. So let's just, let's just do that and ask God to help us tonight. All right. Colossians chapter number one and in verse number one. All right. It says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Timotheus, our brother to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which ye have to all the saints, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which is come unto you as it is in all the world and bringeth forth fruit as it doth also in you since the day that you heard it and knew the grace of God in truth. Now he's going to tell them how they heard the gospel and where they got the gospel from. As ye also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ, a faithful minister of Christ. All right, let's pray. And let's ask God to help us and calm us, comfort us, and give us what we need tonight. All right, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I'm so grateful and and thrilled to death to be able to share some truths about Jesus being enough. Jesus being the preeminent one, the first place, the, the priority in our life. God, I pray that you'll touch everybody that's out there. Oh, there's, there's a, lot of, uh, a lot of confusion, a lot of chaos, a lot of uh, fear. And Lord, I pray right now that you will touch your children. Let them know. Lord, touch them right now. Give them a supernatural peace. Let them know that you have a purpose for our life, that you are in charge and you are in control. And God, I praise you and I thank you. I pray that you'll move in this introduction. Uh, Lord, I know it's just an introduction to the book, but there are so many things that we can learn and take from this and help us, Lord. I pray that your perfect will be done. And God will thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And if you're watching uh, tonight, just say amen right where you are, okay? Now let's look. Here's what I want to do. I want to take and, and, and read the key verses, which I believe is the key verses to this particular book. And then we'll look at the place the people. And when I say the people, I don't necessarily mean uh, the total people, uh, the Jews and the Gentiles there at Colossae, but the the names of the people that we're going to see in this particular book and how they uh, pertain to who, what, who, and what Paul is writing to. Okay. Uh, And and so then we'll jump on the problem. Uh, We'll see what the problem is. Uh, uh, you're going to find out most of the letters that Paul writes is because of problems going on in that local congregation. Man, there's one of the things that I am seeing every day, uh, every day that, that, that this, this ministry, uh, church, uh, discipleship, discipling, uh, everything that we're doing, we're in a fight guys. We're in a battle. 
Uh, Paul told Timothy to endure hardness as a good soldier. And, and even though God is good and even though people will be one to Christ and, and, and God will be instrumental in, in planting churches and, 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 and bringing people to himself, there's always going to be a battle. There's always going to be a fight. It's not going to be easy. The devil's not going to roll over and play dead. Uh, he's not going to go down without a fight and he's going to fight his tooth and nail till we get to glory. And part of this letter is Paul fighting false doctrine, Paul fighting problems that are coming in uh, uh, to that area of Colossae and, and to, the, to the, the local church there. And so we're going to see what the problems are. Uh, in most of the introduction, you're going to get a clear view of all of the heresy, all of the false doctrine, uh, everything that is a problem. And then we're going to go into the book and see how Paul deals with it and what Paul has to say about it to, to fight against the false doctrine that's there. Okay. Now, number one, number one, I want you to look at the place. Where are we talking about? Where is he sending this letter? Where is this local church that Paul is dealing with? Uh, Colossae was one of three cities located about a hundred miles inland from Ephesus. The other two cities were Laodicea and Hierapolis. This area was a meeting point of east and west because of an important trade route passed through there. At one time, all three cities were growing and prosperous, but gradually uh, Colossae kind of slipped into a second rate position. It became what we would call a small town. All kinds of philosophies mingled in this cosmopolitan area and religious hucksters abounded. There was a large Jewish colony in Colossae and there was also a constant influx of new ideas and doctrines and teachings from the East. And it was a fertile ground for religious speculations and false teachings. I want to put up a map. If they've got the map up there for me, uh, if y'all don't mind, put that map up where they can see it. And uh, I hope y'all are looking at it on, at home. Uh, but if you'll notice Colossae there in the map, uh, you'll see Ephesus way over there to the left on the coast. Now, Paul spent three years there at Ephesus in ministry and church building, discipling, sending out. And Colossae was a, a fruit from his ministry in Ephesus. Now, Paul never got there. Paul never went to Colossae. Paul, he, he won two specific people that we're going to talk about here in just a minute that was from Colossae. And so uh, uh, we see Paul's ministry in Ephesus produce people and, and led people to Christ that went to, went to Colossae and started a congregation there, started a church there. And so Paul is there in Ephesus and because of his ministry there, it reached out all the way to Colossae, Laodicea and Hierapolis. Okay. Now, so that's the place we know where that's at. Uh, it's in modern day Turkey. Now, if you want to look at a a, a globe or a map now, it's in modern day Turkey. And so that is the place where at Colossae, this is where this local congregation is, is located. All right. Then number two, number two, I want you to see the people. I want you to see the people. Uh, the first one we're going to talk about is Epaphras. We see that in verse number seven. He said, as ye also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you, a faithful minister of Christ. Now, now, Epaphras, if you're, if you're writing these down, you, you can go and, and print off the outline if you want to and save you a lot of writing. 
But Epaphras was one of the key founders of the church in Colossae. All right. He was a convert of the apostle Paul in Ephesus. Some way along the line, he, he, he came into contact with the apostle Paul. The apostle Paul won him to Christ. And, and because of the ministry there at Ephesus, he was, he was won to Christ and he goes back home and helped founded a church in Colossae. All right. Then also we see he shared the gospel with those in Colossae. All right. He was one of the key founders and he's the one that brought and took the gospel to, according to verse seven, it was, it was, uh, uh, Epaphras that shared the gospel with the people at Colossae when they became Christians and, and became, uh, born again and, and, and began their walk with Christ. But not only, not only did he help found the church in Colossae, but he had a ministry also in the cities of Laodicea and Hierapolis. And if you look in Colossians chapter number four, if you look in Colossians chapter number four in verse number 12, it says this, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you also laboring fervently for you in prayers that ye may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. For I bear record that, or I bear him record that he hath a great zeal for you and them that are in Laodicea and them who are in Hierapolis. So uh, not only was he instrumental in helping found a congregation there in Colossae, but he was also uh, instrumental in, in, in winning people to Christ and, be, and planting a church in Laodicea and Hierapolis. So this man was a soul winner. Big time soul winner. He was a, he was a fellow servant with the apostle Paul. All right. Then let's look at this. The next person we see Philemon, we see Philemon. Philemon was also from Colossae. All right. He was converted by the apostle Paul and most likely in Ephesus. Uh, he helped found the church in Colossae. Uh, and also, uh, the church met in his house. Now I'm going to flip over. I'm going to flip over uh, to the book of Philemon in, in Philemon uh, verse number two, Paul is writing a letter and we'll, we'll, we'll get to this letter later on, but Paul is writing this letter to Philemon, this particular gentleman that we're talking about, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ and Timothy, our brother unto Philemon, our dearly beloved and fellow laborer to our beloved, uh, uh, uh Aphia, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, into the church in thy house. Now, most commentaries that I read believe that that was the wife and son of Philemon. All right. So we see the church is meeting in Philemon's house. All right. Now, so we have Epaphras, Philemon, and Archippus. Archippus. And I hope I'm saying that right. I tried to pronounce that all day, but forgive me if I'm not pronouncing it right. He is the possible son of Philemon. All right. He's the possible son of Philemon. We see that in Philemon one and one through two verses one through two. But then in in, uh, uh, Colossians chapter four, verse 17, we see he's also the pastor of the local church there in Colossae. Watch what it says. Verse four or 17 of chapter four and say and say to Archibus, take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord, that thou fulfill it. All right. So what do we have here? We have Epaphras and Philemon. These are two men 
who were soul winners. They were, uh, they were laymen, if you will. Uh, they were one to Christ. They were converted to Christ, most likely in Ephesus during Paul's time in Ephesus. Uh, they were filled with the, with the, with the, 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 the zeal of a new Christian. They go, uh, uh, they go to Colossae and they begin to share the gospel. They begin to share the good news that they have received and, and what they have. And people begin to believe a congregation is formed. And not only do uh, uh, they share the gospel there in Colossae, but they do also in Laodicea and also in Hierapolis. And now Philemon's son, most likely Philemon's son is now the pastor of the little congregation there in Colossae. All right. So these are the people you're going to see over and over. It, it, it would really do you good to read Colossae, Colossae, Colossians, Colossians and Philemon both together uh, to see some information about all of these people that you're going to read about here in this particular book. So now, now that we find the characters in this particular book, uh, we have Paul, the apostle Paul, uh, we have uh, Epaphras, Philemon, and Archippus, all right? So the two main characters we're going to see is the Apostle Paul and Epaphras because what has taken place is Epaphras is there. He's ministering, he's serving, he's helping uh, with the, the founding of the church there in Colossae, and he sees a problem. He sees uh, some false teaching coming in and creeping in. Now, Here's, here's what happens. He leaves, he leaves Colossae and he goes to Paul in Rome. Paul is in prison. He can't go anywhere. So he's got to get some advice. He's got to get some help, uh, to know how to deal with this false teaching and this false doctrine. So he goes to Paul and he asks for help. Paul writes this letter that we're reading tonight. Uh, he writes this letter to combat and to, to uh, help them deal with the errors of the false teaching that is creeping in and trying to, 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 to sway the new believers there at Colossae, all right? So this letter is, is, is being sent because Epaphras has come and said, hey, I need some help. Uh, how do I deal with these things? How do I deal with these false teachings? And we're going to talk about them here in just a second. Uh, give me something to help me. So Paul writes this letter and he, he sends it back to be read, not only, not only to be read in Colossae, but he tells him he wants him to read it in Laodicea and Hierapolis too. So he knows that those, those areas will have to deal with the same, uh, false teaching, uh, that is going to be dealt with in Colossae. All right. Now here's going to be the main body of the lesson tonight. Okay. Now we're going to deal with the problem. Now we're going to deal with the problem. Uh, we, we found, we, we talked about the place. We talked about the people. And now let's talk about the problem. Why do we even need this letter? What is the point? What is the purpose of this letter? What's, why is this so important? And when we deal with the problem, it, it, sometimes it kind of helps you go back and look at the place. Because if you will see the place, it's a crossroads. It's a crossroads. It's a place where it, it, it is a cosmopolitan area. It's very diverse. Uh, man, you've got Gentile people. You've got Jewish people. You've got people coming and going from the east. And there's, there's, there's so much Eastern mysticism and, 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 and then Greek philosophy and all of these things mixed up together. 
And what it always happens somewhere along the line, we always feel like we have to add something to God's word. Uh, it's like God's word is not enough that, that Christ is not enough. We need to help him. You know, we need to help God or help ourselves to get closer to God. And we need to add stuff. I mean, it's, it's been this way all the way back to the garden of Eden. And, and you know, when Eve said, you know, God said we can't eat it and we can't even touch it. Well, God never said that for some reason, man feels like that they need to assist in this righteousness issue. Well, What was taking place is there was a mixture of teachings and beliefs. You have a little bit of Greek philosophy. You have a little bit of Jewish legalism, Judaism and ceremonialism and a little bit of Christianity. And you just put it in a pot and mix it all up. And this was the heresy that he was dealing with. There was a little bit of this and a little bit of that, a little bit of this culture, a little bit of that belief. And it was a mess. It was a mess. Anytime you take away or you add to God's word, you're going to have a mess. It doesn't matter if it's your preference. It doesn't matter if it's your opinion. It doesn't matter if it's your feelings. It does not matter. Everything rests on God's word. His word, nothing more, nothing less. And we're going to find out that the whole letter is Paul convincing these people that Jesus is enough. You don't need Jesus in philosophy. You don't need Jesus in ceremonies. You don't need Jesus in Jewish tradition. You don't need Jesus in legalism. You don't need, listen, Jesus is enough. And I'm going to tell you this right now. In the problems we have in America, the problems you're seeing on TV right now in our country, Jesus is the answer to all of it. Every bit of it, the splits and splinters and divisions in churches today, it's because we've got too much of self involved and not enough Christ. He is enough. He's the preeminent one. Somebody say amen right where you are. That's that's a fact. He is enough. He's enough. Now, now, before we get carried away, let's 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 make sure we we, we, we come down to what we're trying to say <clears throat> And, and, and let me say this too. Let me say this. Here's a good point. Uh, it did not take, it did not take the apostle Paul to start the congregation there in, in Laodicea or Hierapolis or Colossae. And what does that mean? That means we can all serve Christ in whatever capacity we are. You don't have to be, you don't have to be a missionary or a pastor or a preacher or or a full-time evangelist. You need to share the gospel wherever you are. They were lay people who took seriously God's command to take the gospel to every creature. And they took what they got in Ephesus and took it back to their own home and shared what they had. And a church was formed and a church blossomed out of that. Now, now let's jump, let's jump to the problem. Let's jump to the problem, okay? There may be a a little more reading in this part, but that's okay. That's okay. Uh, Now, here's, here's, we're gonna, we're gonna look at at, at a a couple things, okay? Two major problems, two major problems. And then in the second major problem, we're gonna go into detail about it, okay? Now, the first problem, we saw the, we saw the place, we saw the people, now we got the problem. What problem were they dealing with? Well, First, we have surrounding hindrances. 
We have surrounding hindrances. In other words, it was the culture around them. It was the wickedness around them. It was the paganism around them. You got to understand it was primarily Gentile people and they were coming from a Gentile background and Gentile paganism. The pagan culture in which the Colossian church existed worshiped many gods. Isis, Serapis, Helios, Demeter, Artemis were among those worshiped in Colossae during Roman times. Many of the Colossian believers, no doubt, found the pull of the old way of life strong. Now, let me read that again. Many of the people in Colossae found that the pull of the old way of life very strong. The first danger facing the church was a relapse into paganism. You see, they had really three enemies. They had the world, which is the culture around them, their own weak flesh, their own weak flesh, and then Satan, which instigated all the false teaching. Now, that's the same thing we have to deal with. We have to deal with a world that is full of vulgarity. We have to deal with a culture that's wicked, that's anti-God, anti-Christ, anti-righteousness. Uh, you, you can't even go into a store and, and, and buy a candy bar without magazines with filth right on the front cover, right there in front of you. It's everywhere. We're surrounded by it. The Bible says, because iniquity abounds, the love of many waxes cold. And everywhere you go, you're on the defense. Everywhere you go as a Christian, you got to protect yourself and you got to be weary and wary and understand and be sober and be vigilant. Be careful because we have a world that's trying to conform us to their image. We have a world that's trying to convince us that they are right. Listen, don't be conformed to this world. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, listen, we have to fight the culture. We have to fight our flesh. We have to fight our flesh. And I'm not saying my fingers and my toes. I'm talking about the old nature that we have. You see, when you got saved, your old nature didn't get saved. It's not converted. It's still sorry and low down and rotten. Paul said that which I want to do and I don't do and that which I don't want to do, I end up doing old wretched man that I am. Who would deliver me from this body of death? He's saying that flesh, we got to fight it. We got to struggle with it. One of your greatest enemies is what's looking at you in the mirror. And you have to fight it every day. And, and then we have Satan on top of all of that. Be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, is as a roaring lion who roameth about seeking whom he may devour. So everybody's going to have a struggle. If you're watching right now, and you're a new Christian, you're a baby Christian, you're going to have a pull from the way you used to be and a pull from your old life. Man, I don't know of any Christian. I'm not sure that I know of any Christian that doesn't sometimes or all the time struggle with the past life and being pulled back to what you used to be. Listen, when you're a Christian, you're going against the grain. You're, you're paddling against the, the current of, of, of the world and society. And these, these believers in Colossae, they were struggling with this and they were, they were uh, being tempted to go back in the lifestyle that they had walked away from. And we all have that. We all have that. We all have to fight. We, 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 we cannot, we cannot take a break when it comes to spiritual issues in our life. We cannot throw it into neutral. We got to stay uh, plotting. We got to stay climbing. We got to stay paddling. We've got to stay with God. We cannot take a break. 
I promise you, the moment you stop paddling in this spiritual walk in life, you're going to start going backwards. So they had the past. The culture around them, they had a problem and and a danger being pulled back in to paganism. And that's 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 the that's the small side of this issue that they dealt with. The main issue and the main body of this letter is going to come from the heresies. All right. The heresies that are being taught and talked about and are creeping into the congregation and a heresy is a false teaching. Okay. Something that's not right. It's, it's a false, uh, uh, false information, false teaching. And, and it had a mixture of paganism and Judaism. Okay. So let's look at this. Not only was the problem, the surrounding hindrances around them, the culture, uh, uh, Satan, the flesh that they struggle with. But then I want you to see the sinful heresies. The sinful heresies. And we, and we said this, it was a mixture. They were, they were at a crossroads. They, was, they were uh, uh, culturally diverse. And they just brought in a little bit of this and a little bit of that. A little bit of this belief. A little bit of Judaism. A little bit of Christianity. A little bit of Greek philosophy and Eastern mysticism. And, and here we, we're going to come up with something great in their minds. It was, it was a mess. It was wicked. Now... There's two elements, two basic elements to the heresy that Paul has to deal with. There is the element of paganism, an element of paganism, and we'll talk about that in detail. But then there's an element of Judaism. All right. And and we have heard this word. We have heard this word several times uh, going through the book of Acts. It seemed like everywhere Paul went, you had Judaizers coming behind him, which was which was people that tried to mix Jewish traditions and customs with Christianity and, 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 and telling them, uh, you, you, you have to have faith in Christ, but you have to obey Moses too. And, and so anyway, you, you've heard this before. Well, this is a mixture of all of it together. Okay. First, let's look at the elements of paganism. First, let's look at the elements of paganism. Uh, the Greeks, you got to understand the Greeks loved knowledge. They prided themselves on the sophistication of their philosophical systems, and they really hated the gospel because the gospel is simple. They, they, they hated Jesus. They hated the gospel. It couldn't be that easy. You know, uh, being right with God couldn't be that simple. It couldn't be that easy. The simplicity of the gospel. And, and so they believed in a higher knowledge. They believed in a higher knowledge. So the element of paganism that they were trying to bring in was a requirement of deeper knowledge for salvation. They, they, they believed that you had to have a deeper knowledge. To them, Jesus Christ alone was not adequate. Salvation involved Christ plus knowledge. And this is where they was getting that from. They claimed visions that they had supposedly seen as the basis for their support or their superior knowledge. They believed those alleged visions gave them deeper insights than other people into the divine mysteries. In other words, you got to believe in, in Jesus, but then believe in what we're telling you because we're, we're smarter than you and we have a deeper understanding. We are closer to God uh, and you have to, you have to uh, come to a place of a deeper knowledge in order to be saved, which is garbage. It's hogwash. Now, so it's Jesus plus knowledge is what they're trying to say. Now, 
Not only that, but they believed that God was good, but matter was evil. Okay, all matter was evil. If you can touch it, if you can see it, it's evil. Only God is good. Everything else is evil. Now, this is where that becomes a problem. God was good, but matter was evil. Because the good God could not have created evil matter. They postulated that a descending series of emanations from the divine being or creations of angels, demons, uh, uh, a series of emanations from the divine being. It was one of the lesser emanations far removed from God that created matter. In other words, it wasn't God that created everything. It was one of his creations that created everything. It, it was one of his angels or one of his emanations, something that came from God. But way down the line, uh, they created matter and it was evil. Now, with this, with this, Jesus was simply one of the higher emanations. He was one of the good emanations or angels in contrast to the bad emanations or demons. Those demons formed a barrier between man and God and only through superior knowledge coupled with help from the good emanations could one break through and so thus the angels were objects of worship because they help, uh, their help was essential for salvation. Now think about how crazy this is. Here, here they believed that God was good and everything that you see and can touch was evil. Okay, all matter is evil. Uh, somewhere down the line, something that God created, an angel or emanation, uh, a demon that God had created, created all matter. Okay. And, and so Jesus was simply just one of those emanations. He wasn't God. He was just something that was made by God, but he was higher on the scale. He was good and everything. The demons were evil. And so they're putting, now think about this. They're putting Jesus on the same level as an angel. And they believed that, that there was a wall between God and man, a wall between God and man, a barrier and, and just a simple person couldn't get through that barrier to God without the help of angels and that superior knowledge. So you have to have what they say you have to have in order to get to God. And you got to have the help of angels and, and know how to get a, 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 the angels to help you in order to get saved. And, 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 and you had to have the help of angels and that superior knowledge. And it was required for salvation. All right. So. We have, we have not only, not only a requirement of deeper knowledge, but God was good. Matter was evil. Jesus was only on the level of an angel. Their teaching, their teaching denied the humanity of Christ. The teaching denied the human. Now, most of the time you, when you see false teaching, they're denying the deity of Christ. Most everybody that, 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 that lived in, in, in a historical context they all believed in his humanity. They believed he was a man, but that's all they believed he was. But they were teaching that Jesus wasn't a man. They denied his humanity. Now, why would they do that? Because since matter, watch this, since matter was viewed as evil, it was inconceivable that a good emanation could take up a human body. So there's no way. 
Because all matter is evil. There's no way Jesus in a human flesh, in, in a human body, there's no way he could, he could be God. There's no way uh, 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 that he could be who he said he is uh, because that's evil. And there's no way God would be evil. So they denied his humanity. All right. Not only did their teaching deny the humanity of Christ, they also denied the deity of Christ. They didn't, they said he wasn't man and he wasn't God. The Colossian teaching denied the deity of Christ because since God being good was the very antithesis of evil matter, God could never become man. God can never become man. So he's neither God, he's neither man. There's no way. So they're completely taken away from the doctrine of Christ and who Christ really is. Okay. That's the elements of paganism that was involved in this teaching. Okay. That's the elements of paganism. But then I want you to see they mixed in some Judaism into their teaching. They mixed in some Judaism into their teaching. They taught that circumcision was necessary for salvation. And we'll see that many times throughout the book of Acts. You'll see that in, 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 in other letters that Paul had to deal with and write, uh, where they tried to say you had to, you had to trust in Christ and also obey, uh, uh, Moses. You had to be, you had to become, you not only had to believe in Christ, but you had to become Jewish. And so you had to be circumcised. You couldn't be saved without being circumcised. This was a ceremony of the Jews. Okay. So they had that mixed in to the teaching, but then they also promoted asceticism. They also promoted asceticism. Now, what is asceticism? It's a rigid self-denial and harsh treatment of the body. Rigid self-denial. They denied, denied themselves certain foods and certain comforts, certain pleasures, uh, was very legalistic, very rigid and very demanding, uh, all, oftentimes harmful to the body. When we were in Israel, when we were in Israel and we went to, uh, uh, we went to where the, the Dead Sea Scrolls were found. Uh, we, we, we got to see an area where the Essens lived, which is another sect of the Jews. And they practiced this. Uh, they wouldn't, they, 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 they denied themselves of any comfort. They denied themselves of any pleasure. Uh, they denied themselves of anything that would be of, of, of happiness, comfort, or joy. Uh, and they believed every, all of that is bad. All of that is bad. We only read the scriptures. We only prepare our meal. Uh, they were, it, it was just a very rigid, rigid, legalistic uh, uh, behavioral type uh, belief and concept in God. And so they had this also mixed in. I mean, can you imagine all of this in this one uh, set of false teaching? But then, but then they taught uh, an emphasis. They taught an emphasis on Jewish dietary laws and observing holy days. They, they taught a, a emphasis on Jewish dietary laws and observing holy days. So we have pagan, uh, uh, Eastern mysticism, pagan Greek philosophy, uh, Judaism, the legalism and the ceremonialism that comes with that all mixed together with a dash of Christianity in it. 
And here's what it is. This is what Paul is dealing with. Okay. Now you're kind of getting an understanding of, of, of the false teaching that was going on and why uh, we, we find Epaphras felt like he had to go and get help from the apostle Paul to know how to deal with this. And so this is what I want you to see. Basically, what it all boils down to, when it's all said and done, what it all boils down to is this. At its core, at its core, this false teaching, it taught the denial of the sufficiency of Christ for salvation. Now listen to that closely. At its core, it was basically the denial of the sufficiency of Christ for salvation. The sufficiency of Christ becomes the theme of Colossians. Now I want to go back with that being said, I want to go back to the key verses. All right. And now you know why the key verses are what I feel like they are. The key verses, Colossians 1, 18 and 19. And he talking about Christ, talking about the Lord Jesus And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things, in all things, say that with me, right where you are, in all things, say it again like you mean it, right where you are, in all things, he might have the preeminence. He might have the preeminence. He is first place. He is priority. He is numero uno. He is number one, period. It is Jesus and nothing else. It is Christ and nothing else. Peter said, there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. He said in John, he said in John chapter 14, he said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the father, but by me. Christ is first. They were trying to take Christ out of everything. He was just another part of, no, no, no. He's not part of anything. He is everything. Let me say that again. He is not part of anything. He is everything. He's everything. Christ is preeminent. Christ is first. For, now watch this. Verse 19. For it pleased the Father... That in him, say that with me, that in him, who is him? Jesus Christ. In him should all fullness dwell. In all fullness dwell. What does that mean? When you have Jesus, you have everything. When you have Jesus, you're lacking nothing. Nothing to be added. Nothing to be subtracted. He is all in all. That's the next verse. Colossians 2, or excuse me, Colossians 3, 11. In Colossians 3, 11, we find it said, Christ is all. Say that with me. Say it with me right where you are. Christ is all and in all. In all. Listen, Jesus is enough. <clears throat> Christ is sufficient. Christ is sufficient. Now, here's what I want to share with you. And and this is in closing. I know tonight's not going to be that long. Uh, But let me give you four things real quick. Well, it might be long. I I see the clock now. Uh, uh, Anyway, they laughing back there, but that's okay. That's okay. 
Let me give you four quick things, four quick things, and we'll be done. We'll, we'll be on time. We'll be on time. Now, here's the thing. I want to tell you what they were trying to do, the false teachers, and then I'm going to give you Paul's response in this particular letter, okay? And, and we'll use that as the introduction, the overview of the whole letter, okay? We find that the false teachers were seeking God, all right? They were seeking God. Uh, but they were seeking God in their own way. It's kind of like, it's kind of like what Paul said about his Jewish brethren. They had a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. They're going about to establish their own righteousness. And, and man, I, there's no greater illustration of that than here in Colossae. They, they wanted, they, they had a, 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 an, a, a, a desire to know God. But they went about their own self in their own way, in their own understanding, in their own, uh, uh, I don't know what the word would be, uh, under their own production, if you will, the way to get to God. Well, here's the problem. They sought after God and they wanted to see God. But this is what Paul said. This is what Paul said. Now, keep in mind, keep in mind, they sought God, but they wanted to deny Christ. Okay, they sought God, but they wanted to diminish the person of Christ. He's just like an angel. He's he's, he's, he's good, but he's no better than an angel. He's just an emanation from God. Now, they were seeking God, but they wanted to diminish Christ. But watch what Paul says. Paul says in Colossians 1, 21, for in him, Christ, for in him dwelleth all, (laughs) look at this. All the fullness of the Godhead bodily. You hear hear that? In him. They're seeking for God. They're seeking it in philosophy. They're seeking it in Eastern mysticism. They're seeking it in religious tradition and ceremonialism and holy days and don't eat this and you can only eat that. They're seeking God and all those things. But Paul said, let me tell you something. If you find Christ, you have found God because in Christ is all of God. He is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Somebody say amen. Right there. God is in Christ. Christ is God. Listen, if you're looking for God, look no further than Jesus. If you're trying to find that higher power, look no further than the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, look no further than the Nazarene. Look no further than that babe from Bethlehem. Look no further than the Lord Jesus Christ because he is God. He is God. In the beginning was the word, John chapter one. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. Without him was not anything made that was made. And it says, and and the word, same chapter, in the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word was God and it became flesh. Who was that? The Lord Jesus. If you're out there watching and you're looking for God, look no further. Look no further than Jesus. He is God. Look. Number two, number two, not only were the false teachers seeking God, Paul's response was, if you find Christ, you found him because in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Number two, 
The false teachers sought superior knowledge. They sought superior knowledge. They want a deeper knowledge. They, they sought a superior knowledge necessary for salvation. It can't be that simple. It can't be that easy. It can't be just placing your faith in this man from Galilee. This is Paul's response to that. Colossians chapter number two and verse number two. That their hearts might be comforted being knit together in love and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the father and of Christ. Now watch this and of Christ in whom talking about Christ talking about Jesus in whom now what are they looking for? Superior knowledge, superior wisdom. We're wanting a deeper understanding. It says in Christ are hid all, how much of it? All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Preacher, what are you saying? You're looking for a deeper knowledge. Christ is enough. In him is, listen, in him is all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Number three, let me hurry. Number three. We see the false teachers sought God and Paul's response was in Christ dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. They sought superior knowledge and Paul's response was in Christ are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. They also worshiped angels. They worshiped angels and thought that they could help obtain salvation. They worshiped angels and believed that the angels could help them attain salvation. Watch what Paul's response is. Colossians 2.10. Colossians 2.10. He says, and ye are complete in him. Talking about Jesus. Ye are complete in him. In other words, you have everything you need. You have everything you need in him. Which is, watch this now. Which is the head of all principality and power. You know what he did? He just said, angels, you're here. Christ, you're here. He's the head of all the angels. He's not one of them. He's the head of them. He is over them. And in him, you have everything you need. You don't need an angel to get to heaven. You don't need an angel to get through. In Christ, you have everything you need. Christ is sufficient. Number four. Number four. We see the false teachers sought God. The false teachers sought superior knowledge necessary for salvation. The false teachers worshiped angels and thought they could attain help to get to to attain salvation. And the false teachers practiced asceticism and observed Jewish holidays. Now watch what Paul's response was. This is in chapter two. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of a holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath. Why? These all are a shadow of things to come, but the body is Christ. Now, let me, let me help you understand that. I don't know if you can see this on that, on that camera or not, but, but that light shining behind me, there's a shadow behind me. I don't know. I guess you can see it back there moving, moving back there. Well, that shadow is a shadow from my body. Y'all with me? It's a shadow from my body. My body 
is the substance, that is the shadow. Well, this is what Paul is saying. He's saying Christ is the substance. Christ is the substance. All of those ceremonies that the Jews performed, all of those dietary, all that was, was a shadow of what's to come. In other words, all of that was secondary to what is primary and what is primary is the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you realize everything in the Old Testament pointed to Christ? Every ceremony, every meal, every festival, everything that they had to observe, everything was pointing to Jesus Christ. Listen, Paul said that the law, the law could not save. The law could not save. It wasn't supposed to save. The law was our schoolmaster that brought us to Christ. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying this, Christ is enough. Christ is enough. Listen, the theme of the book can be summed up in the words of Colossians 3.11. Christ is all and in all. We're going to learn, we're going to learn throughout this letter that Christ is God. We're going to learn in this letter that Christ is creator. We're going to learn in this letter that Christ is savior. We're going to learn in this letter that Christ is head of the church. We're going to learn in this letter that God intends for him to be preeminent, first place, number one. It was Paul's desire in writing Colossians that we would realize that Christ has come to have first place in everything. I, uh, I, don't, I don't really want to. I don't really want to get political right here, but I'm going to close with this. I seen on Fox News today, I seen on Fox News today that uh, the governor, of, I believe it's Michigan, fellas, is it Whitmer? The woman from Michigan, I believe it is. She put a picture, am I good, Daniel? Is this Okay. Uh, she put a picture of a, a prayer candle. Now I'm not all about prayer candles. I'm, I'm not, I'm not endorsing none of that by no means. It was the principle of the thing and what it was supposed to insinuate on that prayer candle was a picture of Stacey Abrams. Uh, the person from Georgia, uh, that was involved in, 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 uh, the Democrat, uh, political machine. And, but basically <clears throat> Basically, it was it was uh, implying on that prayer candle that she was the savior. She was the rescuer. She was the deliverer. Now, here's what I want to say. There is no such thing as a politician being a savior or deliverer. And, And let me say this for everybody on the other side of it. If you've got a candle with Trump's picture on it, that's just as evil, just as wicked and just as foolish and just as senseless. There is no such thing as any politician being a savior, being a deliverer. Trump is not going to fix what's wrong with this country. Biden is not going to fix what's wrong with this country. None of the Democrats, none of the Republicans, nobody in Washington is going to fix what's wrong with this country. 
The only thing that's going to fix what's wrong with this country is the preeminent one, is the one and only Lord Jesus Christ. He is the answer for whatever problem that you're facing. And so, listen, make sure your commitment, your dedication is to Christ and Christ alone. I want you to know he's enough. Don't worry. He he knows what he's doing. Put your faith in him. Put your trust in him. No matter what happens in this world, no matter what happens in our culture, no matter what happens in our society, don't walk away from your faith and confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ that he knows what he's doing. He has you on his mind. He will take care of you and he will lead you the right way. Christ is enough. It's not Christ plus anything. It's not Christ minus anything. It's only Christ. Next week, we're going to jump into chapter number one. And before he goes into dealing with the garbage that they're trying to push uh, there in Colossae, uh, he wants to just set the stage and tell you how great Christ is and how wonderful and how preeminent Jesus is in chapter number one. It's going to be a very exciting chapter. So listen, tune in next week. Uh, we'll be in Colossians chapter number one. I encourage you, read the whole book. It's only four chapters. Uh, it won't take you long. It'll take just a, just, a, uh, uh, just a little bit of time out of your schedule. Read the whole book. Get an overview of the, of the book. And then we'll start uh, jumping in those verses next week in chapter number one. Man, I hope you have a great night. Please, please pray before you go to bed. Place your confidence in Christ. Say, Lord, you've got all this. I'm not even going to worry about this because the Bible says I'm supposed to cast all my cares on you because you care for me. I'm going to let you hold it and I'm going to bed. Hope you have a great night. He is in charge. He's on the throne. We'll see y'all Sunday morning. Take care. I love all you guys. See you Sunday.